powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to Friends, Foes, and Neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, as what you are about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for insightful interviews with incredible people. Join us now as we delve ever deeper into the human condition. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hi. Thank you so much. Please, everyone, sit. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. Before I want to jump into this episode, though, I want to say a massive thank you to my last guest, Richard Blade. I never expected the show to do numbers like that, but man, oh man, I am always pleased when little miracles like that happen. What was even better was at 5 p.m. on Friday the 24th of February 2023, Richard gave the show a huge shout out on Sirius XM First Wave and then played Marillion's Assassin, which is one of my all-time favorite songs. So Richard, I know you're listening. Thank you ever so much. Episode 129 is one for the record books. All right, so welcome to episode 130, and we have a very special episode lined up for you today. We have on the show motivational consultant, international speaker, and author, Ahmad Vital. Ahmad will be talking about how he got into sports journalism and his books, Now What? Five Steps to Get Up and Create the Most Out of Life, Awaken the Baller Within, and I Am More Than Enough, Three Ways to Overcome the Fear of Your Own Reflection. Ahmad is a fantastic guest, and I can't wait for you to meet him, so let's just go ahead and get him on out here. Duval Nation, please rise to your feet and welcome all the way from the planet Houston. <laughs> Sorry, little Superman humor. I mean the city of Houston, Texas, acclaimed author and speaker, Ahmad Vital. <laughs> Ahmad, hello. Welcome to the Dark Duval Show. How is the weather out by you today? It's pretty good, man. It's, uh, it's about... It's about 55, not too cold for us Texans. You know, that can, um, you know, that makes means we have to put at least some sleeves on. You know how it goes down here. We, uh, we're we pretty warm-bodied people down in these parts. So I start my interviews off the same way, and that's how has it been for you to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic up to this point? You know, with being in, in Texas, it's been about as good as it can be. The beautiful thing is, is that I've, I'm very uh, liberty minded. So I'm whatever is the most I can do. I'm going to max that out. So I, I've been I've been pretty good. Uh, nothing really stopped from a work end. I mean, obviously, it affected me from a standpoint of not being able to do a lot of things live. You know, when you when you've been through many things, some floods, some hurricanes and things of that nature, you just learn to be able to pivot and, 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 and make the best out of what it is. And so um, I was able to to be able to hold up pretty well from a business and a, um, and a job standpoint. So things went pretty good for me down here. That's awesome. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born? What was it like to grow up there? I was born in New Orleans, Louisiana, but I don't remember any of my time in, <laughs> in uh, Louisiana. Uh, apparently, uh, my mother wanted me to be born in Texas, but I came early. So we moved to the first house I remember was about eight years old, and we lived in Kingwood, which is uh, north. North Houston area. 
that's the first house I remember. So Louisiana is, is not only a blur, but it's just <laughs> a distant memory other than me visiting there as I got older. So do you have any favorite memories from your time studying journalism at the Stephen F. Austin State University? Yes, I had a I had a professor named Dr. Mayer, Dr. Gary Mayer. He's he's an awesome dude, a short Jewish guy. And he was and he taught me journalism at a much deeper level. Obviously, coming out of high school, I had a, a strong journalism uh, passion uh, working under a man named Alex Carrillo. And so when I went into when I went to Stephen F. Austin, I was I was gung ho, man. I um. Uh, I, I wanted to 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 learn the craft at a deeper level. And the beautiful thing is, is that I, I learned journalism under a man who was extremely, extremely about integrity. Two sources, you know, always tell the truth. If somebody tells you off the record, you absolutely don't use those things, which is unheard of today. But at that time, he 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 taught me that. I mean, you talk, I'm talking about all the way down to the parts of sentence. He he really he really brought me up in the journalism world and I'm, I'm so grateful for, for what he did. So my time there uh, really perfected my, my ethics in journalism. And so I, I love the fact that I, I was able to, to witness and be able to learn under a man who, who just represented so much in my life from a journalistic standpoint. Hmm. You know, it's amazing. Um, you see online people, you know, get into spats online about, oh, I'm right, I'm right. And then you drop the phrase peer reviewed article in there and it shuts everybody up pretty quickly. No doubt. No doubt. And 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 I just, you know, I tell my brother all the time, I said, I said, what you see today is media. It's not journalism. Journalism has has kind of rules, kind of like when people say in baseball, there's unwritten rules. Of course, there's some written rules in journalism, but there's some unwritten rules as well. And those have just totally been abandoned. And it it, it stings me. And I'm almost glad I got out of that world, at least from that standpoint. At the time I did, I still dipped my toe in there because I obviously am still a writer. But the journalistic side of things with social media, with the blogosphere, with YouTube, with Twitter and things of that nature, it's just like there's no rules. It's the Wild West. And while I'm, you know, I'm a free market guy, you know, do what you do what you need to do. But I wish there was just some integrity on, on either side um, as far as what goes and what doesn't. I mean, just, you know, if you find it out, it's coming out. And that's just, to me, I mean, if you want me to be honest, Derek, it's just disgusting at this point in time with some of the things that, that you see and read and things of that nature. And I mean, I understand everyone's trying to get their money and trying to do trying to do things in that, in that world. But man, I, I, I just never wanted to be the guy who, came up at the expense of ruining others' lives. And I think that's one of the main reasons I didn't excel uh, beyond a certain point. I mean, I did well in journalism, but man, I couldn't imagine what what I would have done if I would have taken the path of some of my colleagues coming up when, mm. you know, when I say they'll do anything for the story, I mean, some of them did whatever it took for the story and, and people's lives were ruined. And I just, I just wasn't raised that way. And you know, I, I I may have left a couple hundred thousand dollars on the table, but you know what? Um, I, I'm my father's child and I want to make sure and, and stand for something when it comes to those type of things. There's a Lindsey Buckingham song that I remember. It's uh, the title is Murrow Turning Over in His Grave. And I think that really encapsulates, you know, what would Cronkite, what would Murrow think about the, you know, the media circus that is today? Uh, it's a, it's, I mean, you know, you look at all of the of the good reporters and authors of the past and, you know, you read through some of those things, whether it's, you know, Common Sense or, you know, the Art of War, just different, just different books and different things in the nature. And you're just like, man, like mm. they would just look at this and be like, what? is this, mm -hmm. you know, guys like Ben Franklin are probably just like, um, 
this, I don't know what this even looks like. And so I, I do like the idea that, you know, there's a few people out there who are still doing things the right way, but it's like, it's this, the system is so compromised that it's almost hard to even, to even keep a straight and narrow uh, with today's media. Mm. So after college, it seems that you were working in a sort of recruitment capacity. Can you tell my listeners what all that entailed? When I came out of college, uh, I took my first job uh, at a small community newspaper. Actually, it was it was a large newspaper chain, but I worked for uh, four high schools in the northwest Houston area, uh, an area called Katy. And I covered uh, news and sports between there and Spring Branch. And, you know, I'm making I'm making less than I was making, you know, as a bartender in college. And I remember I stayed there for one year and I I went to an event and I saw a guy who was doing nothing but covering young men who are top athletes going to college to play football. And I was starstruck by that. And I remember approaching him and I said, I don't know how to get into this industry, but I want in. What do I need to do? And he was like, well, write me a couple of articles and, you know, we'll see if we can get you published or whatever. And within like a couple of weeks, I had written like 10 articles. And so I, I did that for some time. And I remember the first time he said, you know, you're pretty good at this. I'll pay you a hundred dollars a month. And I was like, oh man, you know, and when you, when you make 17,700 a year, a hundred bucks a month is a, is, is the start of something huge. <laughs> Whereas, uh, you know, and I, I built up hundred turn to two, two turn to five. And next thing you know, I was just like, I want more. I was like, it was a feeding frenzy for me. And I ended up getting into this and I remember meeting a guy and he put me on with a uh, Sooners Illustrated magazine. That would have been through the scout.com network. And things just blew up from there. I started writing national articles and that caught the attention of the VP of the wing of uh, Fox Sports Next at that time. And they brought me down, brought me to the Army All-American Bowl. And it was it's just history from there. And I ended up being the Texas recruiting analyst. So I was covering all the young men coming out of Texas, going to different schools, which if anyone knows, any of your audience knows anything about football, us and a couple other states pretty much provide 70% of all the football players you see on Saturdays and Sundays. And so I was in a very, very solid position uh, doing that for many years. And it just, it just leveraged into so much, you know, covering, covering sports, covering high school football and college football in the state of Texas is, was one of the greatest jumpstarts to, to my career going forward. And I always remember those days when, you know, we were doing, you know, we're writing 40, 50, articles a week doing, you know, a couple hundred blogs. It was just, it was beautiful. And so that really catapulted a lot of what I'm doing now because it not only did it, it doubled down on the way I interview and things of that nature, but it kept me writing to the point where, you know, I leveraged that into you know, writing books and doing some media stuff on TV. And so my media career starts from the, from the root of writing 300 word articles for those online platforms I was writing for. I mean, cause you're talking about you know, Texas, Oklahoma, Ohio State, LSU, like all of the all of the top schools where Texas guys go, which is pretty much almost everywhere. It just really it really pushed my career in a, in a very positive way and moving things forward. And I'm I'm still grateful for that. Name drop the biggest athlete you got to watch uh, during your time. Ooh, wow. I mean, the biggest is going to be tough. Uh, you have Andrew Luck. I saw him when he was a sophomore. Um, I saw Kyler Murray quite a bit. He was in Dallas while I was in Houston, but I did get to see him at certain events. Uh, Russell Shepard had a had a seven, eight year NFL career, was a was one of our early five star guys. Um, A guy named Jonathan Gray. I don't think he ever did much 
at the at the pro level. I don't even think he made it to the pro level. Um, right before I got into the game, Jamal Charles was a huge star out of Port Arthur, Texas. Um, man, it's, that list can go on. And sometimes I look back through all these old DVDs, which these kids today have no clue what that looks like. We, we were watching, we were watching, uh, you know, DVD videos. I have highlight videos from from guys who probably have four or five kids at this point in time who are grown men, you know, in their thirties. But uh, yeah, I had a lot, a lot of big guys, but I would say probably, I would say somewhere between Russell Shepard and Andrew Luck are the two of the greatest athletes I ever saw who are almost also the, the best teammates and guys who just represent respect and humility that I've ever seen for our guys who are that big of a superstar. I've not seen much of that <laughs> since then, but those, those guys probably represent, uh, what is true and great about the essence of sports. So I want to talk to you about your first book, which is 2011's Awaken the Baller Within, which I was impressed with many notables quoting it as, what do you call it, the life's manual for athletes. I saw that quoted a couple of times. Where did the idea to write that book come from? The interesting thing, Derek, is that all of my books were were written, written out of some level of tragedy or or something along those lines. Like it was always a major life event going on in my life. And I remember Waking the Baller Within was written right after like a really bad breakup. And I had just bought a house, bought a car, and I was just, I'm talking like full out depression. You know, here it is, I'm 29 years old and, you know, I'm working at Fox, I'm doing all these big things. And it's just like, I'm just a mess, you know, because I I put my trust in another person in the wrong type of way. And I remember that the only thing that got me out of that funk was personal and spiritual development. But at the same time, I'm still working for Fox. I'm still doing scout.com work. I'm still doing recruiting work. And I say, you know what? How do I merge the two of these together? You know, how do I take my my love of sports, but my newfound personal and spiritual development? You know, you're talking Napoleon Hill. Um, I was obviously, you know, deep into the Bible quite a bit. And it was just all of these different things kind of came together. And I was like, what if I did the same thing Napoleon Hill did with Think and Grow Rich, but with athletes? And it's funny because Russell Shepard was the first athlete I did the study with. He had he had just um, he just completed his first year at LSU. He was a freshman and he played as a true freshman. When he came home that that Christmas, I met him at his house and I interviewed him upstairs and I had a list of about man 30, 40 questions. And we just sat up there, put my recorder on, and we talked. And I remember listening back to that interview and I was like, you know what? I should go get 10, 20, 30, 40. 50, 100 more athletes and do the same thing. And I took a collaboration of all of those different things, all those different questions, and I put together Awaken the Baller Within. Uh, and thing was that I put that book together for young men who are like me. You're an athlete, you're, you're, you're a solid athlete, but you don't like to read. So there's not a chapter in there that's more than like six to 10 pages. Big print gets right to the point because I wanted something that they could read while they were in the locker room before games, something that they can just get a quick little nugget in there. And man, I, I remember when that, remember when that book came out, I, I self-published that book. I sold close to a thousand copies basically out of my trunk. Like it, it was just, it was just a true old school hustle. The first school bought 80 copies. And I was like, Hey, if I bring, if, if you buy 80 copies of me, I'll come speak to your team. And so then that kind of started me getting into speaking from that, from a, obviously I was speaking with my uh, my mentors, a uh, spiritual experience on Tuesdays and Sundays, but I was also speaking to sports teams and I was going to camps and different places to be able to speak with, with athletes. And it just got pegged really quickly as like the athlete's 
like life manual because what would happen is is parents would purchase the book for me because they knew my time with Fox it was still going on and they would order the book and the book would come in while their kids were still at school so obviously they opened a package and they start reading the book and next thing you know they've read the whole book and then of course they encourage their their kids to read it and it was just like you know this book helps you be a better fill in blank here a better realtor a better lawyer a better parent and it was because it was based on the principles all I was using was football as the metaphor. But, you know, if, you, if you've talked to it, you know, at least back in the 90s, the 90s style jock, which is when I was coming up, you know, sports had to be relative to everything. Everything we did was sports. The way you dressed, the way you talked, the way you ate, make sure the book focused a lot on that. But the principles in there were, were basically biblical, personal development and spiritual principles that just work in any aspect of life. I just use sports as the metaphor to be able to get the message out. Were you completely surprised with the way the book took off like the way it did? I was. I was because I realized during that time I had no clue what I was doing. I, I just was a writer and I was like, okay, you know, you have to market this thing. I didn't know anything about marketing. Uh, it was just like, I just used the platform I had and I'd go to place and be like, hey, you know, I got a manual that can help your son out, you know, and then next thing you know, people were, were doing this. And I had a, a mad gentleman. I've actually helped send three of his children to college. They've all gotten scholarships to college. He used to buy a pack of 10 of books from me every two weeks, and he would just give them out to young men. I think this man probably ordered probably 120 books. And he would, and I thought he was, you know, I didn't know what he was doing with them, but he would just, he would go places. He would meet with kids. He was coaching Little League, and he would just give them out to young men. But I, I was surprised at how it was well received, but I think it was one of those things where, you know, here's a life manual that's written for football players by a football player. And I think that that was a, was a real catching point. And, and what's crazy is, is that I haven't done much with that book in so amount of time. I don't even know. I mean, obviously, it's still available online places, but I haven't actually sold a copy of that book myself in, in, in years. But that book has come up so much in the past six months, which is just Interesting. And I, and I, and I love, I love his resurgence and I'm actually thinking about rewriting it um, and, and putting a new twist to it. So I was going to ask you, it's of how many prints has it been and how many editions? Uh, it's only been one up to this only point. One. Only one. Only one. Okay. Devon Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Ahmad Vital. Message you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long, deep breaths. You know, yes. Cluzo style. Please give your attention to a few friends of the show and we will be right back. Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podtastic Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is Podcasting Made Easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podtasticaudio.com slash easy. Duval Nation, Derek and Mindy Duval here to talk about Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. 
The Derek Duvall Show and Derek and Mindy's Fun With Movies is proud to be sponsored by the team at Jerky Pro. As a veteran, I am always the first to support veteran-owned businesses. Setting up shop in 1987 and founded by military and paramilitary veterans, they have set the bar for how beef jerky is processed, flavored, packaged, and sold. With strict quality control standards, Jerky Pro offers many flavors that are sure to please any beef jerky connoisseur. From the standard original flavor to honey glazed, peppered, teriyaki, sweet barbecue, or if you're brave enough, the fierce red hot, there are many flavors guaranteed to entice your palate. Offered in various sized packaging, use promo code DUBALL37, all in capital letters, at checkout to receive a 5% discount. Remember, folks, if your beef jerky is not making your mouth water, then it's not Jerky Pro Beef Jerky. Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. Hi, it's Michelle Fabre, and you can hear my new single, Last Chance for Love, on Spotify, Apple Music, and all other streaming platforms. Last chance for love, last chance for love, can we make it? Just tell me so. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts! Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy, it is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. Hey, it's Presley Tennant, and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. You can find my brand new EP, 600 Miles, on all streaming platforms right now. If you like weird, spooky, and strange history, then I have the podcast for you. My name is Brenda, and I'm the host of Horrifying History. Are you into the dark side of history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, the paranormal and unsolved mysteries, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Get your horrifying history fix by subscribing today on your favorite podcast provider or by going to our website at horrifyinghistory.podbean.com. Janae Sergio, arriving. 
Hello, everyone. This is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 130 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with author and speaker, Ahmad Vital. So which that leads us then into your next book, the most recent one, which uh, I am more than enough, Three Ways to Overcome the Fear of Your Own Reflection. What was the driving force behind the choice to write another book? That that book came at, at another time in my life uh, when there was some some discourse going between my, my father and I and anyone who's read the introductions to most of my book. Um, it has revolved around one of two of my fathers or both of them. Um, I'm more than enough really just gets to the dives deep in the idea that, you know, we're talking about image, how you see yourself, basically the what you see in the mirror is your biggest challenge, your biggest cheerleader, and also your biggest critic. And it's all about not looking past anything in the mirror, not looking at your home situation, not looking at your spouse situation, not looking at your job situation. It's looking in the mirror and owning all of it. And I mean 100% all of it. Like it, it, it literally is where you look at entitlement and throw it in the garbage. In fact, you put you put it in the incinerator and burn it up. And it focuses a lot on just really personal responsibility and just really getting your mind together and sitting down with yourself and owning all that's going on in your life and coming up with a, a comprehensive plan to, to love yourself where you are, but also hold yourself accountable for where you're trying to go. And so that's uh, kind of what happened with I'm More Than Enough, which is actually my second of, 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 of three books. So I know I count myself among those who sometimes don't like the version of themselves they see in the mirror. Uh, well, your book challenges people to start practicing you know, self-love and forgiveness. For my listeners, what would be a good way to start working on those things right now? You know, um, there's, a, there's an exercise I've been using a lot lately, um, and it actually has, has carried over to the last two books I've written. It's called What's Good Here? And a lot of times when when you're looking to get yourself out of a particular situation, you're trying to identify what's wrong. And sometimes what's actually wrong may not really be an issue. But what I like to do is like say, hey, you know, you know, I think some people call it a pity party or it's like, oh, you feel sorry for yourself or whatever. Well, the exercise I'm talking about with what's good here is, you know, you take one of those old school tablets. Um, Kids don't use them too much these days, but they're still available. The big, the big gigantic yellow pad. I think they call it a legal pad. And it's the big one. It's the big, tall one. And I want you to take that and I want you to draw a line down the middle. And off the top, I want you to put what's good here. On the left side of the page, I want you to literally write out every everywhere where you feel like your life sucks. I mean, all of it. Like, whether it's your kids, whether it's the job, whether it's your business, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your in-laws, I don't care what it is. Like, I want you to have an ultimate pity party of, I mean, I'm talking about the blame game. I'm talking about entitlement. I'm talking about, I want you to air out all the dirty draws you think you have, the dirty shirts. I want all the dirt, put it all on paper. 
lay it all out there. Hold nothing back and just lay it all out there. And I want you to put it, put it on that pad. And I want you to take that pad and I want you to put it away for at least, at least eight hours. I would probably prefer a day where you just kind of go on with your life, let it go, like sit away from it. Then I want you to come back and I want you to look over all of those after you've had a clear perspective. Maybe you take some time in prayer and meditation or just sit still and just, you know, let the scene be, take your mind off of it, do something mindless to where you're not thinking about where you feel like your life is completely garbage. And I want you to go back over that list. And on the other side of it, I want you to say how the moment you think is the worst in your life, why is actually a great moment in your life? What's good here? Looking at looking at what you consider to be a worst case scenario and find out what's good here. Because one or two things is going to happen. Either you're going to see the good that came from it, or you're going to look at that and say, why am I even stressing about this in the first place? This is totally irrelevant. This is from 12 years ago. I don't even talk to her anymore. Like whatever it is, you neutralize the situation by either being grateful for what it was or realize it has no relevance in your life going forward, you know, and it's obviously a process. It's not going to be an easy one. I mean, it's probably going to be fairly emotional for some people because I came to this conclusion and I came up with this scenario the night after my father died after my 33rd birthday, the week Awaken the Baller Within was published. Like that came from that night. Like I had to look at my father's death and be like, what is good here? And it's like, that's not easy to do when it happens out of nowhere the night after your 33rd birthday, and you're like, what in the world can possibly be positive from this? But it absolutely was one of the greatest moments that could have ever happened in my life. You know, there's there's a man who raised me who abruptly dies out of nowhere. I have an estranged relationship with my biological father, which we have our ups and downs with that. And so like, I've taken all of these situations and being like, what can be unpacked and what's good here? And the beautiful thing is, is that my entire business, my ministry, all of my philosophies are built on the idea that the struggles I've had with relationships, you know, whether they're personal relationships, whether they're, you know, father relationships, mother relationships, they all have had what Napoleon Hill would call the seed of an equivalent benefit. It was a blessing in disguise. You know, it was there. And it's just a matter of going through the work to know that there is some good there. You may have to dig deep. You may have to swallow some pride. You may have to go through some forgiveness exercises. You may even have to go sit down on someone's couch. But at the end of the day, there is a way for you to take the worst tragic things that happen in your life, flip it for good, and make and make the great out of something that seems seemingly terrible. What led you to found the Guy Media Group? Uh, it just, it really was just, it was an interesting um company name. It, it really is just kind of what encapsulates me being an author, me being a speaker, uh, me being a mental performance coach, you know, working with young men, uh, working with athletes. Uh, that guy media group, the name actually came from the fact that I covered so many high school football games back in the day, but nobody knew who I was because I was sort of a new guy. And so they used to just be like, you know, the guy who be at the game, who, you know, that guy. And I kept <laughs> hearing that everywhere I go, like, yeah, you know, that guy, he'd be at all the games. He's at four or five games a week. That guy, and it's just like, eventually I was like, I think they're talking about me, but they never knew my name. And so I was like, you know what? Let's play on that. So that guy media group was born from the fact that no one knew who that guy was, but that guy was me. And so I was like, all right, that guy media group, let's, let's do it. It's now, it's now, it's now a corporation. So we just went ahead and rolled with it. 
So you mentioned, like you said, you do a lot of public speaking. What do you enjoy about speaking engagements and what sort of themes do you explore? The main thing that I, I like the idea of, of dream building, goal setting, and the main thing is attacking life with a relentless pursuit. And I would say the latter it is more so where I am now from the standpoint of, you know, really young adults is sort of my target uh, right now. Uh, I've been working with a lot of youngsters between the age of 17 and 28, primarily uh, young men, just really wanting them to understand that you are the builders. You are the guys who who need to bear the bear the brunt of things that need to be built in society. Right. I always tell my young men, I was like, there's no safety net for you. Right. No one's going to feel sorry for you. No one's going to come, you know, hold your hand through anything. You know, men need a community of men to empower and support them. And so with that, when I when I take the stage, I, I focus a lot on looking at where your life is and seeing what the next impossible step is for you. Um, not settling, uh, because one thing that I can't stand is mediocrity and entitlement. Those are the two things that just completely disgust me. Agreed. And I, I just love the idea of being able to to look over some things. And 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 Derek, I'll be honest with you. My um, two words I like to live my life by, and, and most of my keynotes uh, include these two things, is service and impact. Um, every day I want those two words to be part of every action I make. Um, I want to be of service. I want to be someone who's contributing to the good of the world, right? I want to make those around me um, better. I want to be able to serve the needs of those who are in need, right? And I want there to be some level of impact. I don't think we're just put here just to sort of be on autopilot. I think we're here to, to, to make a difference. Now, I'm not saying you have to, you know, create Microsoft or, you know, Amazon or something like that. But you know what? It's, it's, it's as simple as as many of the philosophers of today say, you know what? Take care of your own house, right? Take care of your family first. And then you expand out from there. Well, but 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 you know, you know what they say, make your go make your bed, right? <laughs> you know, and I want I want youngsters to get to the point where they are growing into becoming productive adults to where you don't have this crisis where it's like, you know, you're 37 years old and you've never been outside your house before. Like, what are we doing? And so I, I look for people to, I help people to level up. I help to look through the, the dirt and the ashes of the what's good here and be like, you know what? That actually wasn't so bad. Now let's see how we can leverage this to be able to do something great because there's a, there's a beautiful story in what everybody has going on, you know, and there's a, there's a, there's a ministry there. There's a story there. There's a, there's a product there. And I look to help people to be able to discover those types of things. And, you know, these this sort of a new platform I'm looking to, to grow into that we're doing right now. And it's been going well. And I've been using it a lot with nonprofits. I'm doing stuff with the Boys and Girls Club. I've done stuff for Salvation Army. Um, did some stuff with MD Anderson before. And now, obviously, obviously, I'm going to be doing a lot with the colleges. I do a lot with local high schools. And just really wanting to make a lot of impact, uh, especially in young people, because they are the future. And I I want to make sure that, you know, maybe leave the maybe leave the world in a little bit better place than when we came in here. So briefly, real quick, I know you just dropped a new book on January the third. Uh, now, what five steps to get up and create the most of life? Can you briefly give us a just a general gist of it so people can know, you know, what to look for it? 
Yes, um, it is available on, on all major uh, platforms, and it focuses on five quick, easy steps. For one, it's, it goes into a reflect. You don't know where you are until you know where you've been, and you need to currently see where you are. That's where the what's good here, figuring out, hey, how did we get here? What are we doing? And from that, you go to decide. Decide, like, okay, we've reflected. Uh, got a little got a little mess in the living room. All right, let's clean it up. Decide what is it that we're going to do different because we've already created the mess. Now let's come out of this with something good. You've decided. Now it's time to plan. This is where your goals come in and where you start laying things out. You know, magnify, specify, justify. Why do you want to do this? Make that plan and lay it out. And then, of course, you go right into action, man. It's, <laughs> it's no good to have all the marketing in the world if you're not going to get up and run with it. You know, make it plain. Put it on plain tablet so you can run with it. And, of course, you do that. You, you take action. And along the way, no one lives life alone. We all need community. And the, and the fifth step is to seek. Seek counsel, seek guidance, seek, seek mentors. Seek those who are experts in what you are trying to do with your life and push things forward. And so obviously it's reflect, uh, ugh, reflect, <laughs> decide, plan, act, and seek. And that is the five steps to be able to create the most of life. And it focuses on the idea that Nick, no matter where you are in life, whether you've you know, got a, what I call a useless degree, whether you've dropped the ball in certain things, either way, you can make something happen and get yourself out of uh, whatever situation you're in. Uh, what would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? Uh, AhmadVital.com, A-H-M-A-R-D-V-I-T-A-L.com. Um, and the beautiful thing is, is I'm Ahmad Vital everywhere. On every social media platform, it's Ahmad Vital. Um, all the different, all the different platforms, it's A-H-M-A-R-D-V-I-T-A-L on Instagram, on YouTube, on uh, Facebook, all of it's right there. And then .com is going to be where you find everything. And like I said, your audience can go to booknowwhat.com and, and go ahead and preview the book. And I'd uh, love to hear from them, love to get their thoughts on it as we uh, we just released. And it's being uh, looking forward to getting a lot of uh, good feedback from that book. Awesome. So I end my interviews with my favorite question. And the question is this, if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of Earth? Mm. Wake up on purpose with purpose. Every day. That would be, if I had to keep it short, sweet. Wake up on purpose with purpose every day. Serve much, be grateful, and love your people. Awesome. The books are now what? Five steps to get up and create the most out of life. Awaken the ball within. And I am more than enough. Three ways to overcome the fear of your own reflection available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble or wherever books are sold. Ahmad, thanks ever so much for taking the time to come on the show today. This has been truly great. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. And just like that, Deval Nation, we come to the end of episode 130. I want to thank Ahmad for being so gracious with his time. What a delightful gentleman. And I am so happy he and I could connect. I highly encourage you to seek out his books. And best of luck to you, Ahmad. I have some special news coming up in the next week or two with our spinoff show, Derek and Mindy's Fun With Movies. Our annual Oscar show is coming up along with our one-year anniversary show. So be sure to keep an eye out for those episodes to drop. Tune again next time, though, as we showcase here on The Derek Duvall Show another extraordinary person. I have a really good one coming up in a few days, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for that episode to drop. Also, like I always say, I think it's fair to ask you, the listener, have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope you have, so please go hit that subscribe button to stay up to date for when new episodes drop. Also, if you're feeling generous, and I always ask, you don't have to do it, but I appreciate it if you would, 
drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us, good or bad, and we prefer the good ones, but we'll always listen to the bad ones. We are still enjoying our partnership with the amazing Tea Public. The Derek Duvall Show has a great little store on there, and we have everything with our logo on it, including magnets, stickers, and mugs. I've added more new t-shirts, so please go on and check them out. If you also have an idea for a t-shirt that you see on TeePublic that we should have on the Derek Duvall Show's store, shoot us a DM. We love adding more t-shirts to the store. Uh, and like I said, though, there are some truly fun ones on there, so please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com. Go to the banner on the left that says March. Click that, and you'll be taken to our store on TeePublic. And we once again want to thank them for being such great partners with the show. On behalf of myself and the entire team here at the Director of All Show, I want to say to each and every one of my loyal listeners that we have got some incredible guests booked. And no joke, folks, the last few weeks have been home runs for the show in terms of the quality of our guests. You are all in for a very special treat. No star, God bless, and see you next time, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.